Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout, and the stands. The latest edition of the post-game podcast is here, following Liverpool's 3-2 victory over Nottingham Forest at Anfield in what proved to be a thrilling Premier League encounter. We'll bring you Paul Gore's verdict from the ground, followed by Jurgen Klopp's press conference, and of course, plenty of fan reaction. On the Blood Red Channel. Liverpool came through a nervy and hard fought game here against Nottingham Forest with a 3 2 win in Anfield this afternoon. Um, Jürgen Klopp chose not to make any um, changes from the team that beat Leeds 6 1 on Monday night. Uh, but it was a difficult game, it was nowhere near the same sort of route that they enjoyed uh, on Monday night at Elm Road. Diogo Jota scored twice and Mohamed Salah scored after that for his uh, 27th goal of the season. But it was a game that uh, Liverpool were kept honest in right until the very end with Nottingham Forest causing plenty of problems of their own, uh, particularly with the long throw in the second half. Um, first half didn't really have too many chances in all honesty, Diogo Jota. Say, uh, he added another two to his week's tally to make that four for this week, but he should have scored before that with a header from close range. He nodded wide. Liverpool weren't really creating too many chances in open play, but um, from corners and uh, set-piece deliveries, they were very much um, dominating and um, probably could have had another one when Nico Williams cleared off the line from Cody Gakpo and Kaelin Navas saved from Virgil van Dijk. But <clears throat> um, it was early in the second half and Liverpool finally made the breakthrough with Jota. Um, nodding in from close range after Fabinho kept uh, alive the chance from another Liverpool corner. Uh, Forrest equalised, Nico Williams, um, the former Liverpool right back, he struck uh, via the deflection of Andy Robertson to make it 1-1. Uh, Jota, uh, the first one was a poacher's goal, the second one showcased all his uh, skill and abilities. He took Robertson's free kick on the chest before firing past Caden Navas with the left-footed finish. It was a superb goal. And, um, the cop responded by singing the uh, famous tennis anthem of the Portugal International. One that we haven't really heard too much this season, but um, just feels as though the uh, Portugal International is really starting to find his feet in the closing weeks of the season. That's now four for him in a week. Um, obviously, he ended a 12-month wait for a goal with two against Leeds on Monday night and added another couple to the tally here this afternoon. So it's been a really good week for him. Um, but Forrest weren't done there. Morgan Gibbs-White uh, firing a low volley past Alison Becker after Liverpool failed to deal with a long throw. And that was very much the order of the day for Forrest. The relegation threatened Forrest, of course. Uh, the long throws are causing a lot of problems for Liverpool. They really failed to deal with the second balls too often. And uh, Brennan Johnson off the bench probably should have scored. In all honesty, he put one against the crossbar. 
<clears throat> as uh, the host, uh, or rather the visitors continue to push. But it was left to Mohamed Salah to fire in the winner, again from a set-piece delivery this time. Alexander-Arnold, Salah poked home to uh, score his 27th of the season and eventually give Liverpool the win. It was a hard-fought Navy game, probably one that not too many expected, in all honesty, perhaps one or two thinking that Liverpool were going to come here and continue the free-scoring um, form that they were in on Monday night at Allen Road, but um, that has been the general story of Liverpool's season when you expect them to kick on. Suddenly they get dragged back down, but at least they've come away from this one with a victory against a team who um, are struggling down the bottom end of the Premier League. Finished here at Anfield, Liverpool 3, Nottingham Forest 2. Blood Red Channel. Yes, especially when the ball was out. Um, then the game really started. Um, we got the throw-ins, created a proper mess for us. Um, you can prepare for a lot in football, um, and this game was now the preparation for us for the future. But for this kind of thing, obviously we were not prepared well enough because we knew about the threat when you could hear the ball. Um, and throws it into the box. The first ball we could have defended better. I think Ibu was a bit too much in a fight with whoever was, sorry, was around him. But how he dealt with, with the second, third and fourth ball, that was actually not even close to be good enough because they won all of them and brought him always back into the, in the area and that's in the end um, caused massive problems. I think especially the second goal they scored, we should have as a player who is not directly involved, you need to read the situation better because you cannot. Everybody's there's one who fights for the ball, and all the rest has to pick up where, where is the where is the next potential threat. So there we were not. That was not good enough. We scored our goals as well from set pieces, different set pieces. But um, anyway, and so strange game with a lot of possession for us. Um, um, First half, I don't know, I still don't have the stats from the second half, but first half I think it was like 86% or something like that, which is a really strange number. Um, and that makes life difficult, so you have to be patient. And I, I know for the people, um, the first half is not, a, is not a half where you think, oh my God, football is a fantastic game, but it's hard work and that's what we, um, what we had to do and boys did that. Then scoring the first one is obviously very helpful. Then we got the lesson in throwing started then, they scored the first. Um, reacting then on that is good, was good again what we did and reacting in the second time again. All goals were super smart, good crosses, good finishes, so that was all good. And then we should have controlled it a bit better, but it's actually in most moments we controlled it, but in these little moments they just needed a, a throw-in that everything um, is, uh, is a, a, ends in a chaos again and that's what made the life really difficult. So we came through it and I'm happy, really happy because um, we showed a lot of things I wanted to see. It was a different game obviously to the Leeds game because you need to score to change their way and you need to keep the lead to change that. If we won it up and then can score a second one, that's the moment the game changed. Apart from that, there's no chance that the game changed at all. They sit deep, they, they wait for their chance and they know if the ball passed the sideline, then we will be dangerous. That's it. So, again, results change a lot of perceptions. You've won two games in a row. Well, incredible. When was that uh, last time? When was last time? Does anybody know? Long ago, huh? Two, two, two wins in a row. Oh, that's not too long ago. Oh, I thought it was last year. I was going to add on the 
from Tuchel down against Arsenal. Has something changed, or is it the same team playing the same way? No, things no, happen? things changed. We, uh, some things changed. So the, 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 it sounds strange to say after a game like this, but in general, because we didn't have to defend a lot, but. We defend, the, the main difference between Leeds and all other games was the way we defended. It was much better. So ball orientated, really being compact, and that doesn't mean only high line, or that means so on the ball side, really moving to the ball side, giving us options. Today I saw a lot of top, top, top counter pressing moments. I loved that. Um, and that's for us super important. And yes, that changed. I think we are, we are much clearer again in that, in that department. We have to prove that in four days, three days, four days already, again. But that's for, it feels like it changed, for, for us at least, that it changed. And for, if you are solid, uh, well not only solid, but really um, really good and, and aggressive and, and positive in, in defending, then you can build on that. And uh, for me, it feels like it's the first time this season that we have that um, late, but hopefully not too late. Um, and now we have to build on that. So, and, but the most important thing in football is obviously our results. Um, and fighting through this situation today and getting three points. We just have to look in the dressing room. The boys are not silly. They, they, they know that we were not perfect, but they are really happy about that. And it's three super important points. I told the boys in half time, I saw, we, we saw these, we had these kind of games hundreds of times. It's really tough to get through and stuff like this. You have to be patient, you have to stay positive, you have to go for the moment. Ask if anybody would be happy if we win the game 1 0, and of course everybody would. So that means we fight and work and play for this one moment where we can decide it. In the end, we needed three, but that's fine. And so, yes, I think things change. Um, but for consistency, to show consistency, we have to keep going. And that's obviously now super, and it will be a really tough game again against West Ham. They fight for everything. Um, so we have to be ready for that. Yeah, I think the second goal is a good. Is really uh, uh, you really can see what goals do to offensive players. They give confidence. It was super first touch. It didn't look like um, a massive chance in the first moment when you see him free in the box. Bam! First touch, great. And then the second one is just exceptional. He could have scored a third one in the first half already. I'm not sure. Did he have a chance in the second half for the third? Yeah as well. So being, again, that shows you can be, as an offensive player, in, be involved in absolutely each defensive situation and be still a threat offensively. There's no if or. You can do both. And Yogo is doing that. So, um, and that makes him for us so valuable and um, that's why he deserves that obviously and it's wonderful after the long, long time that he was out and now having these positive things was involved in the Arsenal equaliser in a very important manner and now scoring twice uh, a brace is, is top. Richard. Yeah, that's a bit football specific, but of course it changed the role slightly. That's clear. We cannot have one one fullback in the centre of the field and the other one constantly high up on the left side. That's difficult. So Robbo has to judge the situations when he can be involved, when he can overlap like 
I don't know which goal number, how much it was, it leads, but when he overlaps, when Diogo passed the ball, and then he overlaps and passed the ball to Cody, more goal. Um, these students are still there. So, but in the first moment of the build-up, yes, his role, his positioning has changed slightly. But he's obviously a very experienced player, very smart player, and he knows when we need him there. And today it was a bit of a mix because we needed as well with and that. That means from time to time he had to be high, um, but that is just you know, depends on the moment and, and the situation. And the boys have to learn to read these situations right and do then these things in the right moment. Today, obviously, to Nottingham, try to man mark both sixes and both tens with Hendo and Curtis. Um, that's um, made his life slightly tricky. Gave Ibu a lot of moments on the ball. In the beginning, he didn't use it that well. I now I remember Diogo's chance to the long ball from, from um, Ibu. And a really good header and a good save. Um, so Ibu had a lot of time and space. Yes, and that's the next thing. If an opponent is doing that, how, which kind of, how can we help Ibu to use these moments slightly better? So it's, uh, if you want, early days with that kind of um, system. So we have to work on that. That's what we do. And Tom? Yeah, can I just wanted to uh, check something. In injury time, you, I thought you were looking at the crowd as the crowd were leaving, but you could have been looking at the fourth official. I didn't know which was which. I just wanted to. And I don't remember it. All right, because no, the, the reason I asked is it, was, it looked like a scene. You remember the Crystal Palace game when you've been your, your first couple of days and you turn around and you seen the crowd leaving early? It looked like you were doing that again because there were a lot, a lot of people, but I didn't know whether you were looking at the fourth official. I wanted to be. Oh. Oh, we, I was in, in contact with the fourth official a lot, but just asking me how long. <laughs> how long? So I was really, it was five minutes. Yeah. That's fine. Nowadays, really short. So I saw today eight minutes last night, was eight in the first half and stuff like this. I, I, I'm not sure we, we got the information about that, that that's happening from now on. So the game is now 106 minutes or something like that long. Interesting, but um, yeah, no. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Well, a really hard game to watch at Anfield. Liverpool ended up coming away with the victory against Nottingham Forest. Three goals to two. Largely because they got the ricochet or look of the ball in their penalty area as opposed to Nottingham Forest because both teams shown a complete inability to be able to manage set plays, whether that be Liverpool defending Nottingham Forest's long throws or Nottingham Forest defending Liverpool's corners or wide free kicks. I mean, it was an absolute exhibition of how not to defend them areas. And Liverpool ended up coming out on the right side of it. And first part to touch on, I suppose, is that over the last three games, Liverpool have adopted a new system of 3-4-3, which very much resembles a box in midfield, two deeper midfield players and two higher midfield players in Henderson and Curtis Jones, finding themselves in wider positions within the build-up. And Liverpool had gained some real positives out of the system especially over the second half period against Arsenal and also against Leeds in general, really, because what Liverpool had not been able to do throughout the season for the large extent of it is have control over games. And within them periods, the half against Arsenal and the full game against Leeds, they were able to do that. They were able to circulate the ball. They were the dominant side on the field. The field tilt was massively in the favour. And they were also able to accumulate so many more chances compared to the opposition even though it wasn't the same system as Liverpool, it resembled the Liverpool of old in a different 
reincarnation of formation, I suppose. And one of the key reasons that Liverpool gained success against these two teams was both teams like to play a certain way. Both have different levels of ability, of course. But Leeds United and Arsenal both like to play out from their defensive third, try and build up, play shorter passes. And what the system allowed was, out of possession, was that Trent Alexander-Arnold could take up a central position when the ball was turned over. So, because Alexander-Arnold is taking up a central position when Liverpool are in possession, when the ball is then lost by Liverpool, he can then have a position which is more elevated, exert more pressure. Liverpool have more pressure in numbers higher on in the opposition's defensive third. And Liverpool could then suffocate the ball, win the ball back, and then transition and, and look to, to counter-attack from their, their counter-press. And that has been the big, the big positive, really. Also, because of the different angles that Liverpool have when they're on the ball, they've been able to circulate the ball better and, like I've said before, maintain better possession. Now, that was the case again in the first half against Nottingham Forest, in which Nottingham Forest adopted a mid-block. They didn't really want to put too much pressure on Liverpool's build-up and largely were content with almost just restricting Liverpool once they got into Forest defensive third or medium third, if you like. So again, you could say that Liverpool had an element of control that they hadn't had for the majority of the season in the first half. Now, fast forward to the second half, and that was the complete opposite. So the big difference and why Liverpool struggled so much is that Nottingham Forest are not a team who want to build up in their defensive third and try and play out. They're a team who are going to go direct, especially to a centre-forward who's physical and wants to run the channels. And that's exactly what they did in the second half. They played longer balls, bypassed Liverpool's pressure, which meant that Liverpool had more players higher and left their defensive third for 1v1s or numerical equal equal amounts of players to be able to contest duels. And Nottingham Forest got some great success out of this because even though it didn't lead to direct chances on goal from direct attacks, what it did do, it allowed them to secure some possession in the final third and also generate some set plays, which Liverpool then really struggled at. So that was the first thing in, in why Liverpool struggled. But the second thing was also that when Liverpool were in possession of the ball, Liverpool reverted to type that we've seen so often this season because Nottingham Forest changed their approach, were no longer happy in sitting in the mid-block and were more happy to exert some pressure in Liverpool's build-up. So when Liverpool were trying to build up from out the back, Nottingham Forest all of a sudden extracted more numbers to apply pressure. And what do we know Liverpool do this season under pressure when they're trying to build up? They give you the ball back and that's exactly what happened. So Liverpool had this horrible concoction that we've seen throughout the majority of the season in not being able to... to manage direct attacks, which was a big problem. But also, when they had the ball, kept giving the ball to the opposition, which meant the game then rested on who did or who was the most productive inside both boxes. And Liverpool marginally came out on the right side of it because the game turned into a basketball match. There was no control in the game. The ball was going from back to front from both teams too early, too quickly, and Liverpool, we've seen all the problems that we've seen from Liverpool throughout the season. And so the interesting thing will be is that the system change made no difference to that in the second half once pressure was applied on the ball for Liverpool. But so poor have Liverpool been this season 
And because they've had a little bit of success in the last game and a half or two games, if you count the first half of this game in terms of trying to add control to the game, I probably believe that Jürgen Klopp will continue with the system. When I say 3-4-3, of course, that is when Liverpool are in possession of the ball and when the ball is turned over, when Liverpool have to um, transition to a defensive shape. Of course, we know when Liverpool are in a rest defence, where they're more structured and settled, when they're not looking to counter-press, then Alexander-Arnold, of course, will revert to his right-back slot and Liverpool returns to their 4-3-3 system. But it is a different way of playing and I do believe they're probably going to stick to it. Especially if teams are looking to play out from their defensive third. And I think he has to go with a consistent style of play, formation of play and see where it takes him to the end of the season. Of course, I do believe it will and probably dependence, I suppose it's dependence on how productive it is till the end of the season, but I would be surprised if it wasn't a short-term option because... Something really stuck out to me in Klopp's press conference this week when he was discussing Darwin Nunes and he talked about how Liverpool needed to return to their way of playing and a way that they were accustomed to playing to be able to build confidence. And I've mentioned before that I felt that the top four was out of Liverpool's grasp and Liverpool should try and now play the system formation that they're going to look to implement next season. But I've got a feeling that Klopp doesn't believe that. I believe he still feels that Liverpool can achieve that top four. And I suppose when you look at Newcastle's fixtures, he's probably right to have that belief. I mean, whether Liverpool can win the remaining eight games, seven games, what it is, I very much doubt. But he's got to have that belief, I suppose, as the manager of the club, and he will do. And so that might explain why we are still seeing Cody Gakpo playing the nine and a half role, a role which I feel he can do really well, of course, but obviously limits Darwin Nunes, who in terms of chance generation, is Liverpool's highest value player along with Salah in that, that area. But, like Klopp said, Liverpool have to get back to a way of playing that gives them confidence that they used to. And that is probably why Gakpo is taking up that position, which can replicate old movement patterns that Liverpool are used to. Now, with this new system, I don't really understand, however, why that is a necessity. Because Gakpo dropping in lower on the ball, which he does... Essentially, you need to have different movement patterns to be able, if one player drops in, the other player needs to go high. So, for example, Firmino would drop in, Mane and Salah would go high. Now, in this system, it's a little bit different because Salah and Jota are having to drop, Diogo Jota are having to drop lower within their build-up when Liverpool have the ball, because especially Salah, because Alexander-Arnold is playing in field. So, the first pass is always out to him in terms of the Liverpool winger. So, essentially then... You've got players coming towards the ball too often for me. Now, what you might argue is, if you had the highest player as the nine then, which would suit Nunes more, then you could have Gakpo, Luis Diaz, Diogo Jota, Salah coming off the sides of the pitch. That may make more sense. I mean, also, then players taking up the positions of Jordan Henderson and Curtis Jones. I mean, Curtis Jones is, is, is happy operating in that area. It's more accustomed to, to what he's been used to, playing in a higher left-sided position because obviously they have to position themselves higher in Liverpool's build-up because Liverpool have, then have two deeper players in midfield in Trent Alexander-Arnold and Fabinho. And, and basically Henderson and, and Curtis Jones have to play higher in half spaces. Now, it is, it is a painful watch to watch Henderson play ahead of the ball. It really is at this moment in time in his career. He's never been elite at it whatsoever. He's been an elite player in transition, but never in accepting the ball in them kind of areas. And unfortunately, I think it does need to be a different player within that role. 
uh, to be able to accept the ball in them tighter zones. So I think there's a personnel problem that Liverpool could aid the formation by changing at times. Because also, if you look at somebody like Gakpo, who's very comfortable travelling with the ball from the left-hand side, and Luis Diaz, if the wide players are going to be receiving the ball feet to more and asked to travel with it, well, that would suit them more than Diogo Jota, for example, who'd be more comfortable playing in that central zone. Jota not fantastic at being able to isolate players 1v1 and create separation. So, so there is little bits and pieces that I think would aid the team in terms of the system being, being able to be executed better. Today, I didn't think we learned a lot whatsoever other than we've seen Liverpool's failings and they were able to get over the line. So it'd be interesting putting all them things together, how Liverpool go about it till the end of the season. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Wowie zowie. This is Owen from Cop On Podcast, breathless and reflecting on a game that rhymed with conkers. It was bonkers. Ultimately, Liverpool somehow managed to cling on like Commander Wharf over a precipice, and now we have two victories in a row! Six points out of six! It's been a while, but what a warm and tingly and energising feeling! Before reflecting on a second half that was as wide open as Sharon Stone's garage door, let's first cast our minds back to the first half. It felt to me like Nottingham Forest was some kind of hippo who had fallen asleep in front of a footbridge, and Liverpool, who needed to cross said footbridge, found themselves, when the ball was in open play, prodding at the hippo gently and timidly with a piece of long dry grass. Given a set Peace, however, and Messrs Alexander-Arnold and Robertson verily brought forth the holy hand grenade several times, only for Virgil and others to forget to unpin it. In other words, we could and should have blown them all to smithereens in that first half, but for reasons unbeknownst to man nor beast, Liverpool Football Club balls it up royally and repeatedly. That second half, however, that weirdly, unbelievably dangerous and wide-open second half, Liverpool decided to join in on the let's pretend we've never learned how to defend set-pieces party because it must have seemed to them like so much fun. Time and time again, simple balls thrown or kicked into either box caused more havoc than the Cretaceous Paleogene extinction event, and Liverpool were fortunate to win the pinball contest by three goals to two. Kudos to Jota with four goals in a week, and kudos to Magic Man Mo Salah, who has now drawn level with Robbie Fowler in all-time Liverpool goals, 183 of them. Wow. Eid Mubarak to Mo and all of our Muslim friends, and as Liverpool have merrily entered the rickety footbridge towards West Ham on Wednesday evening, this is Owen from Copon Podcast, about to have a nice lie down. You've been listening to the Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.